buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. As always, I've got a fantastic guest for you today. I'm gonna be talking with Mike Rondazzo. He is the VP Go-To-Market and Enablement over at Challenger. They wrote a book. Uh, They have a sales methodology that many people are familiar with and use. And we're gonna dig into his experience and talk about some of the awesome work that he's doing over there at Challenger. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Colin. Looking forward to speaking today. Yeah, man. We've been, uh, I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but (laughs) for whatever reason, the last couple of guests uh, have been guests that I've been wanting to have on for a while. And we had some scheduling conflicts and then we kind of did a little bit of planning, uh, which I'm glad we did. And so now we're finally making it happen. So I'm pretty pumped up. Absolutely. Me too. So give us the... uh, Give us the whole story here. Where did it all start for you? Where, where was your uh, first sales job? What were you doing? Yeah. And then let's take it there because I know there's going to be a lot to unpack versus where you started and where you're at today and, and tons of learning lessons in there as well. So my first sales gig, I actually just celebrated a, a, a what's a strange anniversary. The September 15th, 2008, I started as an SDR for a company called CEB, uh, Corporate Executive Board. We'll get into them in a little bit, but... September 15th, 2008 was actually a um, uh, a day that sort of has gone down in infamy. That's the day that Lehman Brothers actually filed for bankruptcy and they sort of became kind of the first visible domino to fall in what would then become the the, the Great Recession, the, the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. Yeah. So yeah, heck of a way uh, to start a sales career, heck of a day to start a sales career, I should say. <laughs> well... I, I, when you were sitting there telling me that, I was like, man, I wish, I wish I knew my like sales anniversary date and had it nailed and buttoned up like, like Mike there. Um, and then, you know, you had something else that, that happened that day that, that made it pretty memorable. So yeah, kind of an interesting time to be getting into sales. What sort of challenges did you run into with the financial state, you know, of the country at that time? And what were you doing? Well, look, I think the the thing that happened, you know, coincidentally on that day when I started in sales was the world of selling changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got to a point with complexity that, that sort of reached a new height in that economic disruption. And the backdrop here, I think there's actually like a silver lining to all this, of course, is, you know, starting a career in a tumultuous and uncertain time is 
is not great, but it it makes you it gives you some level of grit in terms of pursuing um, growth in your career and success in your career. And what was interesting is this company that I was working for again, um, corporate executive board, CEB, big research company. Um, so best practice research across all corporate functions. Their sales and marketing practice at the time was really digging into what this new complex and recessionary environment was doing to sales mm. professionals. Um, how it was impacting the way they sold and ultimately um, going out and surveying and assessing thousands and thousands and thousands of B2B reps to figure out what the high performers are actually doing to achieve success in a really difficult and complex environment. And it all turned out that, you know, ultimately there were different profiles of sales professionals. You could neatly sort of categorize them by their approach, by their behaviors, by the skills that they exhibited. Um, and that's actually where Challenger was born. So this idea that the Challenger sales rep, if you will, uh, is more likely to be a high performer than the other four rep profiles that we uncovered in that research. I, I won't get into the whole thing now, but if you've read the book, The Challenger Sale, that research turned into a book. The book turned into a company, and that's where I where I work today. Uh, so <laughs> CB uh, gave me a great start at a strange time. Um, but luckily down the hall, uh, you know, uh, the proverbial hall, <laughs> uh, we had, uh, something brewing there that actually helped transform the world of B2B selling forever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a story. You didn't know what you were signing up for, did you? <laughs> I didn't. No, I mean, what I was selling was, you know, big research company. I was selling research, research subscriptions and consulting programs for, um, to, to HR executives. And it wasn't until a few years later after doing that role, after, you know, SDR role, account management roles, client success roles, um, moving into this world of challenger several years later, once it had already established a reputation. And then you start to see and get involved in and and in my roles as a consultant and an engagement manager, being involved in the transformations that are happening across organizations who are are implementing the challenger ideas. That's why I was really excited to talk to you today. Like there was definitely a personal transformation for me from day one as an SDR to, you know, uh, years later as an account manager, as a consultant with a revenue target. Right. Um, and it all fell in line with the things that we were teaching and training and ultimately implementing within client organizations around the world. So, yeah. Wow. So tell me uh, for maybe people who haven't read the book, like what are the kind of, you know, key different seller profiles that this research uncovered yeah so of course you've got your challenger right and the challenger is is sort of the the it's the punchline of course we named the book after it at the time that was a that was a controversial name actually um <laughs> because the defining characteristic of the challenger is not so much pushy aggressive you know used car salesman type of a profile that yeah. that can be a common misconception the challenger just kind of looks at the world a little bit differently and they seek to educate customers about problems that they don't realize exist in their business. So they're yeah. kind of the inverse of, of some of the other profiles that we found. The problem solver, for example, who takes a really sort of consultative approach to figuring out like what's going on in a customer's business because they don't know yet. And so the question is always like, hey, what keeps you up at night? Um, and that can actually backfire for a lot of sales professionals because that problem that keeps you up at night that's articulated by the customer could be the surface level thing that the customer just wants the seller to hear so that they can move on with the next step in the demo, for example. Or yeah. it can be like a problem that's completely outside of the realm of, of what 
you are here to provide and yeah. as a solutions provider and, and it goes nowhere. So the, there's the problem solver, there's the relationship builder, which is exactly what it sounds like, right? Like building rapport, having pleasant conversations and trying to sell on relationship alone. Um, and then there's the hard worker and the hard worker is really sort of, uh, they're, they're going to put in the discretionary effort. Um, and, and finally there's the, uh, we, we have some fun with this one, the lone wolf. Mm. The lone wolf is exactly who you're envisioning right now. There is a lone wolf on every team in every organization. You may be one. Um, but the funny part is lone wolves can be pretty successful. It just turns out that when their luck runs out within a certain organization because they're marching to the beat of a different drummer or not following the process, they're doing what's worked for them until it stops working and they need to go and find somewhere else to try their own process. So at the end of the day, when we advise heads of sales in terms of, hey, what do you do with all these profiles that exist across your team? The point really is look for places where you can leverage the skills and behaviors that challengers tend to exhibit that are disproportionately likely to to lead to high performance and be predictive of high performance. You can absolutely have high performing hard workers and problem solvers and relationship builders and lone wolves. It's actually just much more likely that in a complex selling environment, um, the challenger profile uh, is, is going to be a high performer relative to those peers. So that's kind of yeah. like the 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 first finding of that book in a nutshell and kind of where the name came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Um, and, and if you haven't picked up the book, I think that's a good place for, for people to start. And and so what I hear you're saying is like there's these different personas of sellers, right? And the the key takeaway is that the challenger is typically going to be your high performers. Not everybody can be a challenger right? Like a team is going to be made up of all of these different personas, but knowing what they are and having that level of awareness and trying to get them to maybe exhibit some of the challenger profile, you know, skill sets or characteristics, um, is going to, you know, increase in, 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 you know, your team performance overall, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, there are certain people who you'd look at some of your top performers in an organization. If you're leading a sales organization, if you're managing a team, or if you're on a team and you kind of get a sense for who these people are around you, your colleagues and your peers, and, and you, you've read the book and you have an idea of who the challengers are, or who the lone wolves are, or who the, the relationship mm-hmm. builders are. The point is not, you know, hey, everybody must become challenger. The point is, as a research company at our core, we, ro- we really are just seeking to continuously keep our finger on the pulse of what those high performers are doing and doing differently. Um, and then see if we can find ways to help enable the rest of the organization to take some of those things and implement them in their day to day and execute at a higher level. And that's that's really the point. It, it, when it, what it all comes down to is the thing that a challenger does better than anyone else is they they don't lead with their products and solutions. Mm-hmm. They lead with customer problems and and in particular problems that the customer either is overlooking or underappreciating or just completely missed. And they yeah. seek to have a dialogue around what that problem actually is doing and what it's causing in their business. Then they lead back to the product or the solution, right? And that's opposite uh, of what most core performers tend to do sort of naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, people are comfortable with talking about their product or even just going to, here's, you know, here's, you know, here's the solution. Here's the desired state. Here's where we can bring you, right? And just leading with that because it's what they know. And it's, you know, a little bit dis, you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable, um, to, you know, ask better questions and be curious. And, 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 and I I like to consider myself a challenger myself, because I think the best way to build trust and rapport with your prospects 
is by making them think about something they hadn't considered or even challenge their own thinking a little bit. And so, you know, I'm not saying you go out and say, you know, you're wrong and I'm right because that's not going to get you very far, but you can be very tactful to just, you know, tell your prospect like, Hey, you know, have you maybe considered this or like, Hey, that sounds like a good start. Um, but what about this? How does that sound? And so there's tactful ways to get them to think outside of, or what I like to say, challenge their thinking. Well, and, and you make a really good point, right? Being tactful, being sort of diplomatic in your approach to this. And if you think about the the bigger picture theme that we're talking about here, transformations, transformations are hard, right? People revert back to comfortable behaviors because new approaches are difficult. And I'll be the first to admit, Challenger is not an easy transformation to make. Like there's a reason why folks who have you know, let's let's call, let's say mastered the challenger approach over a number of years, or are on the path to it. See disproportionate successes because it, it is truly a differentiated motion, um, and customers pick up on that and they value it, and it ultimately leads to longer term loyalty in those relationships. But it's not easy to make that transition, and so there's a lot that individual sales professionals can do to start on that path thinking about the things that you just mentioned there, Colin, but there's also a lot that organizations need to do to, to help support and enable this motion if um, they, they decide it's the right model, the right um, sort of approach for their team to take to the market. Yeah. yeah. And how can, let's say, let's say you're a seller and you're one of those other personas that you've mentioned, right? And, and that's just part of your personality your, your characteristics, your yeah. comfort zone. How do you start to adopt some of these characteristics of like the challenger persona that are going to, you know, contribute to being a top performer or a top one percenter rather than maybe just an average seller? Yeah, I, you can, you can take baby steps for sure. Uh, what's really funny is like people who are listening, who know of challenger, they probably know of this whole idea of teach, tailor, take control, and build constructive tension. These are sort of the core four uh, behaviors or, or characteristics or attributes, the things that that challengers do particularly well. And underneath each of those four clean, you know, four T's, and there's a there's a reason why they all have T in them, right? It's easy to remember. It's marketable. But um, there are several drivers. There are several tactics and activities and and skill sets underneath each one. So mm-hmm. so I would I would recommend like take baby steps and just think about what are the what are the steps in your motion what's the process that you follow today it may be a formal process it may be an informal process it may be something that your company makes you follow it's maybe something that you've tweaked on your own because you've been given some autonomy but what are the critical sort of leverage points what are the moments across that process where you really need to show up these moments tend to be the inflection points and the and the difference makers between uh, qualified opportunities that ultimately turn into pipeline that ultimately turn into bookings versus those that fizzle out at some point or end up you know deferring or in no decision land or close loss to a competitor but map out those map out those steps and and you'll probably find some sequence of events or moments that look something like you know reaching out in an outbound um, manner and and scheduling meetings cold right mm-hmm. how are you do so first of all how do you do that yeah, are you are you showing up and talking about who you are, what you do, how long you've been around, all the other companies you <laughs> work with? Not. Yeah, Hopefully right. All, all the other companies you've worked with, um, or are you doing the opposite? Are you leading with a hypothesis about a problem that might exist in your customer's business because you've observed it in other businesses like theirs? Right. That would be the first sort of baby step towards flipping from 
you know, a relationship builder, product centric outreach to an insight led um, sort of question based, uh, if you will, uh, approach. Now, there's a big difference between the insight led approach and the question based approach. I mentioned it before. If you're showing up to a call and your first question is, what's keeping you up at night? You're, you're falling <laughs> into, I think, a trap that sort of gets yeah. part of the way to what we're talking about, right. but not all the way there. So, so that might be the second step. Like when you show up on that call, what are you doing? Are you running right to a demo? Are you asking questions? When you're asking questions, are they open-ended questions or are they closed-ended questions, right? What, what are you learning in that conversation that might give you a foothold or not to teach a customer something new about their business? So first steps are simple. When you're scheduling those meetings, how are you doing it? Are you leading with yourself or are you leading with a customer problem? And when you get on those first meetings, are you asking high gain questions that get the customer to sit back and think, you know, I've never really considered that, mm-hmm. which leads to a two-way dialogue? Or is it simple yes or no response questions that ultimately don't really get you anywhere and then we run right to the demo and maybe we get the second meeting, maybe we don't. Like those are those those first couple of moments in your process where you can sit and, sit and say, what would a challenger do here versus, you know, what might a relationship builder um, do here? And then, of course, there's everything you get into beyond there when it, when it comes to uh, putting proposals together, managing complex stakeholder groups, negotiations, working with procurement and finance. Like there's a whole set of different behaviors that challengers exhibit that, you know, we probably don't have time to go through all of them today. But uh, think about those baby steps in, in terms of how you schedule those first calls and how you show up in those first calls. Yeah, no, those are some great baby steps that people could take, um, you know, and I love, you know, starting from the very, you know, top of the process there of, you know, how are you prospecting, right? Like, are you posing a question that's value added, that's piquing their interest mm-hmm. to get them to have a conversation in the first place? And then how are you showing up on those first calls, which is so important, right? So your example, you know, are you asking what, you know, keeps you up at night? Or are you asking good open-ended questions? And the thing that I love most about how you framed that is, are you asking open-ended questions that are putting you in a position to educate your prospect right. about something in their business? Not asking questions to see if they have budget or authority or to line up the next meeting or to get them in your funnel. That's right. But asking questions to really challenge their thinking, making them consider something they hadn't thought of or educate them on something that they are not aware of, um, which is a huge difference. And most people are not showing up that way in initial sales calls. I can tell you right now, yep. um, I've been on both ends. People pitch and want to sell me things all the time. And, and, and I love just sitting back and <laughs> examining that sometimes. Um, and, but you know, you really got to think of when you're, you know, to be an elite seller, to be, you know, have this sort of challenger mindset. Um, you really need to, th- think about your pro- being in your prospect shoes, like mm-hmm. how, what's going to make them be motivated to take the next action, right? And who are they more likely to go with? Probably somebody who taught them something they didn't know, wasn't just a yes man or woman with everything that they said, you know, and, 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 and basically provided, you know, value and not just treated them like a transaction to get to the next step of the sales process. Well, and, and if I might just points to something you said with it, which I think is just critically important, putting yourself in your customer's shoes. This is, this is what really differentiates the challenger approach uh, from the rest. This is what really turns a core performer into a high performer. It's, it's actually preparation. It's research. It's building hypotheses. It's gathering information before you show up in that call 
by putting yourself in your customer's shoes so that when you're showing up, you already know probably 80% of the way uh, what that customer truly does care about. And here's the kicker. When you start asking <clears throat> questions and you start stating your hypotheses, something that's really important, I think, often overlooked in these initial calls is, is just articulating what you've already learned in an effort to build credibility. Because if I can go mm -hmm. in and say, hey, look, I'm not you. I have not led an IT function at a Fortune 500 company for 20 years like you have. However, I speak with three or four others just like you every single day. This is what I'm hearing lately. Based on the research I've done on you and your company, I'd hypothesize that you're probably trying to accomplish X, Y, Z this year. What most other CIOs miss is mm. blank, right? And that's your lead into an insight. Then you turn that into a question and say, now, I couldn't have possibly gotten all that right. What did I mm -hmm. miss? What did I miss? What, what, what can you help me fill in here in terms of what's going on at your company? You might notice that that CIO, if you if you take that approach, is actually much more open to sharing information that they're they're likely not sharing with other reps, because you've shown up and demonstrated that you've done the legwork to get to know them. You've built that instant credibility. You've just, with a couple of simple questions, unlocked information that's probably not available to your competitors. Absolutely, and and I love kind of like getting that validation, confirming and and making sure you didn't miss anything, which is which is a missed opportunity by a lot of sellers because so often the notes that go into the CRM mm -hmm. are the assumptions and perceptions of things that sellers came to based on what was said uh, and by not following up with additional questions or validating what they think they heard. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's um, the, the, the most common misconception is to be a challenger seller, you just have to be a great innate, natural born seller. Um, it's actually more about sweat equity. It's about whether or not you're willing to put in the work, the preparation and, and do the legwork before you show up in the conversation. That prep helps you show up in the conversation, whether you're a natural public speaker or presenter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love what you said too, is like, you know, we kind of went, okay, prospecting, showing that first call and, and we could go through the whole sales process, but we, we'd have to do a part two yeah. for that. Um, yeah, we should do it. Let's go. <laughs> and, 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 but I, what I love is what you said is, is, you know, just think about like, what would a challenger do? Right. Like, so even just the awareness of asking yourself that question at each stage of, you know, following up after the discovery or, you know, getting to next steps or a proposal or a negotiation or whatever the case is, whatever stage you're at, questioning yourself like what you should do would be a good way to start to have a level of awareness of maybe, you know, approaching things a little bit differently than how you have in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, it's been awesome having you on. Um, we covered a ton of value here. I think we, I think we are going to have to have you back for a part two. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I'm always, always game for that. Yeah, man. I think, I think it would be good, and we can, we can go, you know, further down the sales process uh, on part two. So stay tuned for part two with Mike. Uh, we're definitely going to make that happen, and just let everybody know here how they can connect with you, find out about what you guys are doing or what links are we going to include in the show notes for them to get into your world? Yeah. So obviously, you know, feel free to, to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. If you ever have any questions or, or ideas to bounce uh, related to challenger, Michael Randazzo uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I would say uh, the best place to kind of consume a lot of the the tactical advice that sort of we're sort of teeing up here today in this conversation 
Um, we've got a monthly uh, webinar and podcast series called Winning the Challenger Sale. You can go to challengerinc.com slash events slash winning the challenger sale. Just check around the website for, for our podcasts and, and recordings and everything. Um, but uh, that's where we really take, you know, if you've got your foundational understanding of what Challenger is all about from the book, how do we actually apply those ideas and concepts to the day to day? Um, because ultimately it's all about execution from one call to the next, from one day to the next. And so simple, tactical, practical frameworks for getting stuff done uh, in a really complex environment. That's what we're all about. So uh, check us out. Awesome. We'll drop the links there in the show notes, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.